The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. If you truly believe in him, you will tell others about him. The fastest way for anything to grow is through recommendations. If you believe in Jesus, you will recommend him to others. When was the last time you recommended someone to Christ? Are you a gatherer or a scatterer? The book of Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. Are you there? I read Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Shall we read it together? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Give us an understanding heart to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm preaching a series of messages that I have titled 25 Signs of Those Who Gather. 25 signs of those who gather. Jesus, or the ministry of Jesus, is a ministry of multitude. The ministry of Jesus is a ministry of multitude. Whenever you see Jesus gathering anywhere, you see multitudes gathering unto him. You see him drawing multitudes unto himself. So there is an anointing upon Jesus that draws people to him. And most of the times, these drawings are probably influenced by people's need what people are going through, and so on and so forth. So sometimes you see a woman having an issue of blood because of the anointing upon Jesus. That anointing draws that woman with the issue of blood to Jesus. You see people who have infirmities, and because of that infirmity, it draws them close to Jesus. So the ministry of Jesus draws people to himself. You see those who were hungry and you see them coming to Jesus. And when, whenever Jesus sees all these people, the Bible says that he has compassion on them. He has compassion on them. And then he says, what a great multitude without a shepherd. So the ministry of Jesus is a ministry of multitude. So hence, it is important for us to understand the purpose of the church. If the ministry of Jesus is a ministry that gathers multitude, hence the ministry of the church must also be a ministry that gathers what? Multitudes. The church must become a place where multitudes are gathering. They are gathering not for fun. They are gathering to receive impartation. They are gathering to receive revelation. They are gathering to receive wisdom so that they can bring transformation and change to their various areas of life. So, when we say 25 signs of those who gather, the question we first want to ask ourselves is, what is a sign? What is a sign? Now, I know it's a very, very interesting definition for us to look at because all of us can read signs. 
a sign simply points us to a particular direction. Isn't that right? When you see a sign, it's telling you something. It's either pointing you to somewhere or to something. So the brief definition of a sign is a sign is a clear evidence or manifestations of what someone is doing or about to do. A sign is a clear evidence or manifestations of what someone is doing or about to do. That's a sign. So that means, for instance, when you go to the doctor, the doctor will ask you, assuming you have a headache, the doctor will ask you the symptoms. Isn't that right? They ask you, uh, what, 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 what are the symptoms of a headache? What are the symptoms of a headache? Any doctors here or nurses, doctors, nurses, pharmacists? What are the symptoms of headache? Sorry? Headache is the symptom. <laughs> but there are symptoms. Yes. Pain. Okay, pain. All right. Or shall we use a bit of a complicated um, sickness? Yes. Which sickness shall we? Hay fever. <laughs> Which hay fever are you talking about now? <laughs> we have to be careful of this one now. Okay, let's say symptoms of hay fever. Right? Symptoms of what? Hay fever. What are the symptoms? Sneezing. Running nose. Itchy eyes. Red eyes. What else? Sore throat. What else? Itching. Okay, so these are the symptoms of hay fever. So when you start having these symptoms, when you go to the doctor and probably you don't know that it's hay fever, the doctor will ask you what are the symptoms. When you say itchy eyes, running nose, uh, sneezing, then the doctor, what you're doing is you're giving the doctor a sign. So the doctor will tell you, okay, because of these signs, this is what you're suffering from. Are you following me? So now, somebody doesn't just get up and get hay fever. There are symptoms. Do you get it? And it's the same process. Someone doesn't just get up and gather. Before someone becomes a gatherer in the church, there are symptoms. You will see signs. You can definitely say that this man is a gatherer. Why did you come to that conclusion? Because of the signs. Now, the scripture we read in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus actually talked about two kinds of people. I wanted to start with those who scatter, but I said no. Let me start with those who gather. So I'll give you the, there are 25 signs of those who scatter. I'll give you that at some point, not now. But I'm, I want us to look at the 25 signs of those who gather. And then after we look at that, that will help us to become better gatherers and not scatterers. So when we say 25 signs of those who gather, the next word there is gathering or gather. What does it mean to gather? To gather is to bring together or assemble and accumulate things or people from scattered places or sources. To gather is to bring together or assemble and accumulate things or people from scattered places or sources. So with this definition, let's look at what God's intention is for us as a church to gather. God's ultimate desire is for the church 
to become the greatest force on earth. But for that to happen, it is imperative and important for us as a church to understand that we have been called to gather people here on earth. And where there is a large group of gathering of people, there is the release of power. That's why we say majority carries the vote. What it simply means is majority carries the power. Majority makes the decision. But in God's term, it's not majority that carries the vote. Most of the time, God is always with the minority. But in this context, we're not talking about that. We are talking about the gathering aspect. The book of Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, which is more of the foundation of our church, or from where our vision stems from, the Bible says that, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. In the last days, God says it shall come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills And all nations shall flow into it. That simply tells you about gathering. All nations shall flow into it. That's the beauty of our church. When you look at our church, you'll see different nations. You know, someone recently asked me, they've seen, they came to our church and they saw different nations. And they said, I understand you have even a branch that is only for Mauritians. How do you do it? I said, I don't do nothing in this church. The gathering of the people is not unto man, but unto God. That's why you see different nations in this church. Look at our leadership. Look at people who serve. Different nationalities. So God's intention is that his house will be full of all the nations of the earth. All the nations of the earth. Our our vision is that through you, Abraham, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Shall all, not some, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So that means through our solution, God will bless all the families, not some, all the families of the earth. So that that plays a responsibility upon us as a church. So if you don't see Chinese in our church yet, then that means we have work to do. That means we have work to do, isn't that right? So that means you and I have work to do. So what, ha- what do we have to do? We have to release that anointing that gathers people to draw the Chinese also into our church. He said, and it shall come to pass in the last days. And how many of you believe that we're in the last days? When you see planes vanishing and they can't be traced, when you see Israel fighting Gaza here and there, planes crashing, this happening, wars, rumors of wars, families fighting, all these things happening that should tell you that we are near the end. And for your information, Jesus will not tell you when he's coming. No one knows when he's coming. He himself said, I don't know. So you have to be ready. Don't go looking for someone telling you Jesus is coming on so-so and so date. That's a deception. Jesus himself said, I don't know. So who is that man to tell you 
when he is coming. And I know some of us has followed that deception of buying books of when the Messiah is coming. Have you heard? They said he's coming on the 12th of the 12th of the 12th. <laughs> Have you not heard he's coming on the 15th of the 15th of the 15th? That's a number that makes everything. Do you remember the millennium when the, when the year was about to turn into the 20th, the 20s? We were all told the world was coming to an end. And many Christians believed it, sold their properties, sold everything they had. Midnight, they were preparing for the world to end. And the following day, they woke up in misery. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll come like a thief in the night. You and I don't know when he's going to come. So what we have to do is to be ready at all times. That's why you don't have time for fighting. You don't have time for, for, for fighting your husband or your wife. He said, on that day, the two will be in bed, one will be taken, and one will be left. Make sure you go to bed, sorting out your issues before, because... One day you wake up and he's not there. He's gone. You say, I've been left behind. Yes. Because by their fruits, we shall know them. I pray that on the day Jesus comes, even if it's a Sunday service like this, we'll all be in tune. I want him to come on a Sunday when I'm preaching. Glory be to God. And for those of you who say, where's pastor? What's happened? Those of you are the ones who have been left behind. Some of us will be gone. I pray for you that on that day, you will all go together. So God's desire is that his house will be established and not to be established anywhere else but on the top of the mountains and that it shall be exalted above all the hills so that all nations will flow into it. So now, the scripture we read in the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus was speaking and all of a sudden, he said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me, scattereth abroad. He that is not with me, is against me. He that is not with me, is against me. So either you are with Christ, or you are against Christ. You are either a Christian, or an unbeliever. You are either saved, or not saved. You can't say, I'm in between. There is nothing like in between. You are either for him or against him. That's why Jesus revealed to Peter that after Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And then all of a sudden, in less than a few minutes, Jesus said, I must go to the cross. And Peter said, no, God forbid, I bind you. You must not go to the cross. Peter, who one minute said to Jesus, you are the Christ. The next minute, he's in the flesh. Jesus said to him, get behind me, devil. So, being in Christ and being out of Christ it's a thin line. Being in Christ and being out of Christ, there's a very thin line between it. He said, Pastor, what about grace? Paul says, shall the grace of God be made available so we continue to sin? No, God forbid. So we are either for Christ or we are against him. The question I want to ask you today is, are you for Christ? 
Uh, you know, that's a question you have to answer personally. Are you for Christ or are you against Christ? Now, being for Christ means having a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know him personally? That's the question. Do you know him personally? You can, be, you can be the number one worker in the church. That doesn't make you having a relationship with Jesus. I hope you know that. The church cannot save you. I hope you know that. These days there are a lot of people who think that the church will save you. The church can't save you. This church can't save you. The only one who saves us is Jesus Christ. The only one who saves us is Jesus Christ. There is no other name by which a man can be saved except the name Jesus. No rituals, no deception, there is no other name. No other name means no other name. That means there is only one name and that name is Jesus. That's why he says, at the mention of the name Jesus, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. So are you saved? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you connected to him? Are you engrafted in him? Are you related to him? Does he know you? Do you know him? Don't just say, I know him. Does he know you? The sons of Sceva were, were casting out devils like Paul was doing. And they said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? So you can say, I know Jesus, but does he really know you? Let's not be deceived. Let's not come to church and play religion. This church is not for here for religion. I hope you know that by now. We are not here for religion. Coming to church regularly on a Sunday is good. But coming to church regularly on a Sunday will not save you. A personal relationship with Jesus, that's what will save you. So are you saved? You can be in the church and still not be saved. You can be in the church and be the most loving person and still not know Jesus. That's why I value my relationship with God. Personal relationship. I don't study to come and preach. I study to grow. To grow. I don't study to come and preach. I study to grow. The day I start studying to come and preach, I have lost that relationship. I have lost that connection. Before I bring you his word, I might, I must be the first to eat of it. I cannot lead you where I haven't been. It's crucial and it's important. I want us to establish these foundations. I love you for working in the church, for doing everything in the church. But my brother, my sister, are you saved? Are you saved? If you are, are you truly saved? Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Are you saved? Are you saved or you are pretending to be one of the saved? He said, but I come to church. Well, even the devil comes to church. Even the devil goes to church. Yes, oh, you don't know. The devil also goes to church. The Bible says that the children of God appeared before God and Satan was also there. The devil also goes to church. You say, but I believe in God. Really? The devil also believes in God. As for them, the Bible says that they believe in God and they tremble. They go to the next stage. But you only believe. 
The Bible says that the devil, they believe and they fall. They tremble and fall. So take your belief to the next level. Take your belief to the next level. We see a lot of Christians who have become so casual. We become so casual. There are other religions who have the wrong doctrine, who are dying for what they believe in. They are dying for it. They put a bomb on themselves and believe that if I blast myself and somebody, when I go to heaven, I'll have seven wives there. That's what they've been brainwashed and told. And they believe it with all their heart and they are ready to die for it. Now that's the devil believing and trembling. Now they are acting on what they believe. Are you acting on your belief system? When was the last time you spoke to someone about Jesus? If you truly believe in him, you will tell others about him. The fastest way for anything to grow is through recommendations. If you believe in Jesus, you will recommend him to others. When was the last time you recommended someone to Christ? Are you a gatherer or a scatterer? Don't want us to go into the scattering now. So, it is vital that we engage Jesus on every level. We engage Jesus on every level. He is deep. And the Bible says, deep calleth unto deep. Don't be a shallow Christian. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you prayed? I've said, you don't have to pray an hour once a month. Just pray five minutes every day. Consistency. Do you know praying five minutes every day is more powerful than praying four hours once every year? Yeah, it's more powerful. If you observe the ministry of Jesus, he was very consistent. The Bible will tell you that he went at a time and went and prayed. Consistency. Same time, every time. Praying. Same time. Now, if the prayer, prayer himself, you know Jesus is prayer. The prayer himself is praying. You are not praying. And you said, I don't get answers. Now, prayer himself is praying. You are not praying. The word himself, Jesus is the word. The word himself is reading the word. You are not reading the word. And you say, I'm not growing. Your growth is dependent on you. You yourself. You have to grow yourself. It says, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow thereby. Your growth is dependent on you and not dependent on the church or the pastor. Your growth is personal. My growth is personal. I can't wait for you to come and eat my food for me. Will I grow? Who will grow? You will grow. I feed myself when it's time to eat. So it's imperative that we connect ourselves to Jesus and be for Jesus rather than being against Jesus. He said, those who are for me will gather, but those who are against me they scatters abroad. So for this gathering, harvest to happen, there are four, five forces we must engage. Five forces. When I talk about force, I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about evidence. I'm talking about practicality. Five forces we must engage. The first force is what I call the force of vision. The force of vision. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. 
where there is no vision, the people perish. If our vision as a church is to gather and someone in the church or in your department consistently and constantly scatters, then you know that person doesn't have the heart for the vision of the church. We must engage the force of vision. To engage the force of vision, we must know what our vision is as a church. What is our vision? To gather. Our vision is not to scatter. Our vision is to gather. We must keep the main thing, the main thing. Our vision is churches. Our vision is souls. We must keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing never changes. The methods might change, but the vision never changes. The method through which the vision is achieved can change, but the vision remains the same. We must engage the force of vision. They say where there is no vision, the people perish. So any church that doesn't have a vision is bound to perish. Any Christian who doesn't have a vision is bound to perish. Any nation that doesn't have a vision is bound to perish. So you see, if you are perishing, it's not the witches, you know. It's not the witches. They say, Pastor, do you know it's the witches? The witches always make me do this. No, no, it's, it's not. You, you don't have vision. It's lack of vision. The witches are always making me gossip. They always make me gossip. Pastor, it's like this gossiping spirit is in our family. It's in our family. I think it's from the village. You know, it's lack of vision. If you have the vision, you have no time for gossip. Vision will tell you, take something and read and make yourself better. Gossiping will not make you better. So it's not the witch, it's lack of vision. If every job you take Five months, you lose it. Six months, you lose it. Lack of vision. If every relationship you enter into, three weeks, you bring everyone to the church and say, Pastor, this is the one. Three weeks, Pastor, is not the one. Every time, this is the one. So when shall we really know the one? Lack of vision. You see, if when you don't have vision, everyone you see, you think is the one. Vision brings constraint. Vision will give you a prescription of the one. Because you don't have vision, when you have the one in front of you, do you know that it is said that the beautiful ones are yet to be born? Have you heard it? The beautiful ones are yet to be. So if the beautiful ones are yet to be born, that means the one you have now is not the most beautiful one. So if tomorrow the beautiful one shows up, you say, "Mm, this is not the one. I want that one. That's why. Do you know the places that reveals your lack of vision is restaurants? When you go to a restaurant and you have a vision of eating pasta bolognese and you order your pasta bolognese and somebody comes and orders um, some mixture special from that restaurant. There's small pasta there, there is fish there. There is prongs, there is meat, there's a mixture, and you see that. They say, mm, I should have ordered that one. <laughs> you don't have vision. 
You don't. Lack of vision always wants you to have what somebody has. Lack of vision makes you, you wear a green shoe today. You see that sister wearing a blue shoe, nice, eight inches, and yours is six inches, and then you want her one because hers is eight inches. I think she's a bit taller than me today. Tomorrow, I'll come with a ten inches. Lack of vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So are you perishing? If you are perishing, then you don't have vision. Did you have a vision for the year? I said, ah, the year is almost ended. What have I done? When you don't have a vision, you can't trace what you've done. Beginning of the year, our vision is the next five years, we're going to start schools. You see, it keeps us in check to make sure we are not doing everything. Are you following me? So when the time came for us to start a school, we said, okay, we are starting our school in September. That's vision. We are not doing it because somebody is doing it, but that's our vision. What's your vision? What's your vision? What's your vision? What's the vision for your family? What's the vision for your children? What's your vision? What's the vision you have for the department you're leading? What's your vision? If you don't have a vision, anything goes. Everyone is going somewhere. You just follow. You don't even know why you're following. You just follow. Lack of vision makes people perish. So that means we must know the vision of the church. The question I even want to ask you is, do you know the vision of this church? Or you're coming because your husband is here. Or you're coming because your friend is here. What's the vision of the church? Does the vision of this church resonate with your heart? Or you're coming because someone is coming. Have you noticed that when you don't have a vision for something, a little offense causes you to leave that thing? I have a vision for my marriage. Sometimes I offend my wife. Sometimes she offends me. Multiplied. Multiplied. But I have a vision. Whether I offend her or she offends me, my vision is to stay in this marriage till death do we part. So, we make amend our ways and make sure I don't offend her. And once I stop offending her, and then I don't have to tell her to stop offending me, but once I tell her I stop offending her, automatically I'm sowing a seed. And that seed I'm sowing will reap a harvest. I'll see a harvest of no offense. Are you following me? So if I have a vision and somebody offends me, I don't move. I stay in my vision. I stay in my lane. That's why I will not come here on a Sunday or on a weekday and pretend to be Benny Hinn. I'm not Benny Hinn, am I? Benny Hinn will blow wind on people and they will fall and he will say, that's the anointing. But me, if I blow wind, maybe I'll be blowing my, my speech on you <laughs> and nothing will happen. I might even hold your head and push you down. That's not my vision. My vision is to teach. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. 
here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Methodically, I take you from one place and you see where I'm going. Vision. That's my vision. That's my vision. And when you have vision, vision will do five things. Number one, vision brings clarity. It brings clarity. Vision brings clarity. It gives you a clear path where you're going. Everybody is going there, but as for me, this is where I belong. I have clarity. I am focused. I am purposed. That's my vision. I stay in my vision. I stay in my lane. I don't drive into somebody's lane. Because the moment I start driving into somebody's lane, I will cause accidents. So vision number one gives you clarity. Clarity of thought. Clarity of ideas. Clarity of even where you want to go in the next five years. In the next 10 years, where do you want to be? Do you have a vision? Where you want to be in the next five years? What's your vision? It's not too late, my dear. It's not too late. It's not too late. You can have a vision. Number two, vision dispels confusion. You notice that where there is vision, confusion is exposed. Where there is vision, confusion. Now, let, let, let's, let me just use our church as an example. When we come, you know, the technical people do what they have to do. The, the choir have to do what they have to do. And uh, the other departments have to do what they have to do. Now, have you noticed that whatever they are doing is step by step? You don't see them as confused people, do you? They know what they're doing. That's vision. When you have a vision about something, you're not confused. Vision exposes any form of confusion. Now, have you noticed that also when you pick up something for the first time and you have no idea about it, it's like you're confused. Someone can say, are you okay? Are you all right? No, you're confused because of lack of vision. Number three, vision brings direction. Vision brings direction. What's your direction in life? Do you have a direction? Do you know where you're going? A sense of direction. A sense of direction. Clear direction. In the next 10 years, I will be this. In the next 15 years, I will be this. In the next 20 years, I will be this. Clear direction. And then when you have that vision of where you're going, that direction tells you, okay, step one, step two, step three. So vision gives you direction. Have you noticed that when you don't have a vision and you don't have direction, any latest business in town, you want to engage yourself in it? Have you noticed? Everybody is going to China for business. I'm going to China. Everybody is going to Singapore. I'm going to Singapore. Everybody is going to Beijing. I'm going to Beijing. Everybody is going to Malaysia. I'm going to Malaysia. Everyone is going to the US. No direction. No direction. But when you have a vision, you stay focused. You stay focused. You stay on one path. It might seem as if it's not working, but if you stay on that direction long enough, you will get to your destination. If you stay on your direction long enough, you will get to your destination. Vision number four 
brings development. Vision brings development. The difference between the developed nations and the undeveloped nations is lack of vision. The difference between developed people and undeveloped people is lack of vision. When you have vision and you want to develop yourself, no one can stop you. When you have a vision that this year, I am going to develop myself mentally. You start reading. You start buying books. You start helping yourself to improve. That is what vision does. But if you don't have the vision, you will never be developed. And vision also helps you to track what you've done in the past. To check, how far have I developed this year? How far have I developed this month? How far have I developed this week? Vision brings development. So when you have a vision, you are able to track. January, I was able to achieve this. February, I was able to achieve this. December, I was able to achieve this. But if you don't have a vision, how would you be able to track your development or your growth? Moses told the children of Israel that at the beginning of every year, measure where you are. Measure where you are. And then at the end of the year, measure and look back and see how far you have come so you are able to thank God for what he's done for you. That is development. But the only way that comes about is having a vision. You say, I'm not developing... Why would you develop? Because you don't have a vision. That's why even at your workplace, there is a development plan for you. Every three months or every six months, you are taken through a review. Have you developed in the last month? If you haven't, what are the obstacles? And then they put in place next steps. Step number one. Step number two. Step number three. So if you're not happy with where you are, that means you don't have a vision. And because you don't have a vision, you can't track whether you're developing or not. Even your spiritual life. Are you developing? Are you maturing? Are you growing? The only way you'll be able to know that is have a vision. As a pastor, I have a vision where I want to get to in terms of my spiritual growth this year. So I have a spiritual vision. How many scriptures I want to read a day? How many books I want to read in a month? How many hours I want to pray in a week? How many messages I want to listen in a week? Do you see? Development. That's why most of the African countries, there is no development. You left 20 years ago, you go back, and it's the same. The leaders, the, no, no, the leaders don't have a vision. If you don't have a vision, you don't have a clue how to develop the nation or the people. So I have a vision for us as a church to raise a church that is developed, world class. So you see, the vision is to develop the church. This is why we're starting branches to develop our members, to develop our churches. Vision. We don't just get up and do it. And then we track and see whether we are doing well or not. The final thing the vision does is vision brings completion. Number five. Vision brings completion. 
Vision brings completion. The reason why vision brings completion is because you've given yourself a vision. You know, at the beginning of the year, my wife and I, we have a vision. And we had a vision for the year. You know, major, major projects we wanted to achieve. And, you know, do you know that most of the time when you're putting down visions, sometimes they look very big. And you're thinking about the resources. And when we put those visions together, I was thinking, so where are we going to get the money from to achieve this and to do this? But as we put those visions on the wall, I noticed that as the months go, we were achieving those visions. And then I looked at it and I said to her, do you know that we have achieved everything? By July the 7th, we would have finished or completed our vision for the year. We have a major vision, but it was completed on the 7th of July this year. So we are living on grace. That's vision. Vision brings completion. So because we have a vision, we work towards it. We work towards it. And every day I keep looking, I said, I think we need to put more on there. But I said, sometimes you just have to enjoy the grace. So right now, by the grace of God, all the vision we had for the year is completed. Completed in July. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution International Christian Center, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution Center is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution International Christian Center, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.